And we have to understand government funding is declining rapidly. We can give people the keys, they can come in and test something out. They're not constantly being pushed for an outcome. Yes, we want to reach in to your heart and, you know, crush it. IMHO invites you to be the judge. In this podcast, we turn the microphone back on the leaders of the arts and entertainment industry and ask them to tell us what they really think. These are their unflinching and unfiltered answers and their honest opinions. Hello and welcome to the IMHO podcast. I'm Belinda Sini. Our guest today is one of those rare arts leaders who straddles the creative and commercial divide with aplomb and grace. She's worked in film, television and theatre, received a prestigious Churchill Fellowship, is a dab hand at building maintenance and rocks leopard print like nobody we've ever seen before. Ladies and gentlemen, the multi-talented creative director and CEO of Metro Arts, Joe Thomas. Thanks for joining us, Joe. <laughs> Hooray! That was beautiful. Thank you. My pleasure. So it's been a bit of a quiet 12 months for Metro Arts. <laughs> Give us the abridged version of everything that went down in 2019. Yes, a very quiet year. I guess at the end of 2018, we decided to sell our major asset, 109 Edwards Street. We have been in a process um, through Open Market of selling that building. We've been developing a brand new home. We've also been working hard on setting up something called the Metro Arts Future Fund. And we have, through all of that, continued our programming in both exhibitions and creative developments and performances and touring works and I'm sure there's a whole lot of stuff I've forgotten. Okay, so let's unpack this piece by piece. Let's start with the building, which was the big thing, I suppose, from a um, Brisbane perspective, from a consumer's perspective. You're met with some pretty hefty opposition to the sale of 109 Edward Street to start with because it was that heritage-listed building and people, people, I think, had a bit of an emotional attachment to the building as well. How did that affect Metro Arts and you personally dealing with that kind of opposition? Yes, I think you hit the nail on the head. It was two issues. One, that people were concerned about the building itself. We were able to allay those concerns really easily because it's a very strictly protected heritage building by both state heritage and local council heritage. So um, I think once people understand those restrictions, they feel a lot better. And secondly, yes, it's the emotion um, that people feel for that space. And we understand that a lot of us, including myself, have spent years and years and years creating work, seeing work, hanging out with friends, falling in love there, having our heart broken there, doing everything. So that space holds a lot of memory, a lot of ghosts. So that's been tough and it's been really important for us to get our message across so that people understand the reason behind the decision. And distilled down, what would that message be? We, for 40 years, have been an asset-rich, cash-poor organisation. A previous colleague and I always used to refer to us as poverty arts, or yeah, we're the pov arts. (laughs) And whilst that always has this romanticism about it, the poor artists slaving away, I think in this day and age we can be smarter about it. I think that we can be a true leader in the sector and we have to understand government funding is declining rapidly. We're not going to see the level of government funding come back, I don't think, in this country. And philanthropic support
support is growing, but it's slow in Australia. And particularly for the independent artist, for those of us who want to maintain our autonomy, it's hard to get that level of support. So we think it's much smarter. We have a lot of money there and we can lead this sector. We can support artists in a different way. So arts leaders, particularly those running a tight ship on an even tighter budget as you have been, must be a jack of all trades by necessity. Um, Did you ever have a moment where you were fixing an elevator or holding tenant meetings or wooing prospective property buyers that you thought, what has my life become? Yes, exactly. I've had the craziest year understanding investment of money, meeting every property developer in Brisbane going and meeting philanthropists and um, people who run foundations and advocating constantly. But I've spent a lot of time in circus, around circus, and I used to watch Davy Samford plate spinning. And there's a real skill to plate spinning. You know, you have to make sure you run over to this one and keep that going and over here to this one. And that's exactly what it's like. You've got to keep your focus on everything and make sure that um, not one little plate can drop, not one little area loses your focus. So what then, in your honest opinion, makes a strong leader? Because I would argue that you really showed some incredibly strong leadership throughout this past year in the face of adversity. So what was it that sort of motivated you other than these circus tricks? (laughs) I always feel a lot better when I have an outfit on that I like. Leopard print. Yes, Yes, thank you. Or my spots. I do like my spots. But really, I think being a leader, which is an odd term, but you have to be prepared to make the decisions. I seem to spend a lot of time conducting lots of different areas, like I said, like keeping those plates spinning. But you have to sometimes be prepared to go, that's done, that's over. It's not a popular decision. It's not an easy decision, but we have to look at the bigger picture. So that I think is a really important aspect of leading an organisation. So Metro Arts has positioned itself as Brisbane's and possibly even Queensland's home of contemporary arts. And you really take a chance with developing works and developing artists. You sort of really push the envelope there. Do you think it's more important for work to be entertaining or important? (laughs) I like both. We need entertaining work. It's really crucial. But we also need to be asking the tough questions and that's the artist's job. I think Metro is the leading incubator and hub in Queensland for experimentation. So we say to the artists, come in, try a new idea, try a new form, push the envelope. It's okay if you fail. We all learn a lot when we fail. So that's what... And going through this process of selling um, the building, which is not Metro Arts, it's the building, we've learned a lot about what people value around what the organisation offers. And so much of that is that we can give people the keys, they can come in and test something out. They're not constantly being pushed for an outcome. So that's crucial to our philosophy. I'm going to put you on the spot here, but we've talked about all these things that have happened over the past um, 12 months. In terms of what you've staged or what you've commissioned, is there anything that you're particularly proud of that you look back on in the last 12 months and go, I'm so glad I got to have a part in that? 
Yeah, it's an easy one for me, actually. I mean, I'm proud of all of the work, the exhibitions, the artists, but the one I've had the most to do with was our commission, We Live Here. Um, So that was with Flipside Circus and it was um, in partnership with Hummingbird House, so Queensland's only palliative care unit for children. And for me, that's been a really special work because it grew out of a friendship I have with the general manager of Hummingbird Bird House. Um, We're both Churchill Fellows and the work those people do in Hummingbird House is so vital. And these children have really short lives, but they have really important lives. It's being able to tell a story in so many different ways. Yes, we want to reach in to your heart and, you know, crush it, but we also want you to see the joy in these lives. And I think that's the way we memorialise young people with these life-limiting diseases as well. So we've talked about how huge the past 12 months were for Metro Arts, but the next year looks just as hectic. Again, give us the abridged version of what 2020 holds for the organisation. Yes. So we stay at 109 Edward Street until the end of March. The 1st to the 15th of February, we're holding our giant farewell and 40th birthday festival. So we have a whole pile of new commissioned works. We have a whole pile of um, remounted works. Hopefully anyone and everyone who's ever stepped foot in Edward Street will come back and be a part of that. Then on the 1st of April, very deliberately, April Fool's Day, <laughs> we will move into our new premises in West End and we'll spend a little bit of time setting up shop. We've got a lot of works in creative development, but we won't have a lot of public Uh, facing work until we launch in September 2020 in a new partnership with Brisbane Festival, which is going to be really wonderful. And then we've got so much programming from September to December that it's going to make your eyes water. We've got exhibitions everywhere. We've got curator programs. We've got new works, remounted works, all sorts of exciting things. One of the things that you mentioned earlier is that the sale of this building at 109 Edward Street has allowed Metro Arts to create what you call the Metro Arts Future Fund. Yes, the math. The math. (laughs) It sounds like a reality TV show. Yep. (laughs) So it will effectively take Metro Arts from fundraising for elevator parts to being one of the state's most influential players and most generous funders of contemporary arts. How do you get your head around such a complete flip from being the pov arts through to now being um, so influential? I don't yet. It is such a shift for us, but it's really important that people understand we have done a lot of work in this field. We're working with um, Perpetual will be our investment advisors, and that has come about. We've gone out through a tender process. We interviewed a number of firms to see who was the best fit for us. That nest egg, we have to look after it. This is a once in a generation opportunity. We're not going to lose that money. We're not going to go out on a shopping spree. We're going to make sure we grow that fund. So we're asking for donations into that fund to grow the principal. And then the distributions will come back to the organisation. 
it's going to be a real shift, yeah. but it's exciting. Oh, you spoke earlier about um, this growing groundswell of support for philanthropic donations to the arts. It, will it make it harder for Metro Arts to go cap in hand to some of these donors now that you've got a, a multi-million dollar math? No, my experience is the, is the opposite. I think philanthropists are smart people. They're smart business people. They want to invest where they can see their money will do a lot of good and they want to be assured that that money is um, financially secure. So um, if you look at some of our major performing arts companies, they've all got quite a lot of money behind them, but the philanthropists like to add to that and um, you see greater value, I think, then too. So you add your dollar, you see your dollar tripled. That's really vital. Um, you've spoken in the past about how seriously Metro Arts takes its responsibility as a, a custodian of contemporary arts. How are you going to allocate that math funding? We've just finished writing our new strategic plan for the next five years and I don't see that the foundations of Metro Arts change we are still about supporting the creation, presentation, the touring of new contemporary work. We are still about artists having a chance to experiment, to try to fail, to try to succeed. We will be supporting new work. We will hopefully be growing our producer hub again. This is an area really close to my heart that I truly believe, and I have the facts and figures to back it up, artists make better work, they make more work when they have a producer working with them. Pathways are really important for our artists. It's great to make work. It's even better to see that work presented and then possibly toured locally, nationally, internationally. Is your intention to fund and keep artists in Queensland or Brisbane or do you see MAF as a way of making a big splash on like a, a national and possibly even international stage? I think it's both. I don't think we have to be parochial about it. There's no point our artists staying in Brisbane forever if they're not growing and learning. I mean, I, I didn't grow up in Brisbane. I didn't come to Brisbane first. I was a Toowoomba girl. I went to Melbourne, Sydney, the States. I've travelled all over. That stuff's really important. That's where you see work, where you get challenged by other ideas and cultures. But Brisbane is home for me now and it's a great city and I want to see it become a greater arts hub. That just makes all of our lives better. As I mentioned in your intro, you do straddle that divide between um, creative and commercial. When you look to allocate funding, as you have in the past when you've been running on a, a shoestring budget, do you look at it as a, well, this will make us money or we could get a return from this? Is that <laughs> one of the considerations? I think it needs to be sometimes, but Metro Arts is a for-purpose organisation. We have a constitution and our remit is not about making money. We're a not-for-profit. Yeah. That doesn't mean we can't make profit. It doesn't mean we can't make good business decisions. And I think we should because that way we have more money to invest back into the art. But let's face it, a lot of the work that we present, a lot of the artists who are asking important questions and struggling with some of the things happening in society at the moment, those things don't make money. Um, our exhibitions, for example, are always free. So while we're committed to paying those artists to make that work, 
you never earn anything back from it, but that's okay. We're committed to making sure those artists have a voice, that those communities have a voice. When you are out courting philanthropists and and looking to form new commercial partnerships in order to sort of remain viable, do you find that there's... um, conditions being placed on what you can do? Do you find that you need to tread lightly with what you can and can't commission in order to secure that commercial funding and that those extra donations? I think it's about understanding with all of your stakeholders what they need and want. So a philanthropist may have a very particular area that they're focused on and um, that's why they're giving money. So you have to choose those projects very carefully. Um, But we're very lucky in that we have three levels of government support and in Australia still at the moment that government money doesn't come with a lot of ties. We can focus on the remit of the organisation. We can still deliver controversial projects. Sure, sometimes these things blow up. We've seen it in the past. It comes up in the media most often. But we remain committed to the integrity of the art and those artists. And I think if a philanthropist wanted too much control over particular projects, they may not be the right people for us to partner with, you know, for that project at that time. Great. So to recap, massive 2019 for Metro Arts, huge 2020 planned. When do you get a break? We always take a little bit of a break over Christmas and New Year. And because we're all going to hit the ground running in January because of our festival in February, I'm taking a quick trip to Cuba and Mexico which is going to be a whole heap of fun, then, um, yeah, we've got a very big year. But something I've learned, particularly I think from my younger team members, is the importance of this work-life balance. And it's something I'm trying really hard to implement in my own life. We all feel a bit better when we do get a day off. It's important that we have time to rest and recuperate. So all of us at Metro Arts will be doing that. Sounds wonderful. Now, to end this, we have our little quick fire round, which we like to call five honest answers. So I'm going to fire five quick questions at you. First thing that comes into your head, Joe. what is the best piece of theatre you've ever seen? Uh, Theatre de Complicité, The Three Lives of Lucy Cabral. It was in Sydney Festival in the 90s. Fantastic. And what was it about it? It was this sense of physicality. I'd never seen anything like it back then. They were absolutely meticulous and incredible what they create with their bodies. Who would you say is the most exciting theatre maker in Australia at the moment? I'm going to give a call out to my buddies, mm-hmm. uh, Beck and Tristan. I don't. They're not theatre makers. They're all the Queen's men. They're... They're disruptors, they're creative makers, they create really important connection in community that are artistic connections. Have you ever walked out of a performance before it is finished? (laughs) Yes. Often? Or is it (laughs) an exception? No, it's an exception. I think it's important to try and stay and understand the work as a whole, but sometimes I just can't. Um, if you weren't an artistic leader, what would you be doing with your life? I'd be a cabaret singer. 
Fabulous. Now, you said you were an actor. Once an actor, always an actor. What's your favourite tongue twister to warm up? (laughs) She stood on the balcony inexplicably mimicking him hiccuping and amicably welcoming him in. I am so impressed by that and (laughs) everything, Joe Thomas. Thank you so much for joining us for the IMHO podcast today. Thanks, Belle. Thanks for listening to IMHO. Make sure you subscribe and, in the spirit of the podcast, rate and review us wherever you listen to great podcasts. For honest opinions, ratings you can relate to and the latest arts and entertainment news, check out inmyhonestopinion.com.au. 